thank you for joining us today on Hashtag No Limits. I'm your host, Shelly Kino. Hashtag No Limits is about people that society places limits on, but who have busted through those limits. Ophelia says in Hamlet, we know what we are, but not what we may be. I believe this to be true and that there is no better example than the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. The caterpillar literally dissolves and its cells reform into a butterfly. As the butterfly emerges from the cocoon, it has to struggle in order for its wings to be strong enough to be able to fly. Obviously, this is no easy process, but neither is breaking through limits that society has set upon a person. But just like the caterpillar, when we believe in ourselves, we can accomplish more than others might think. And if we have a support system around us to encourage and facilitate our growth, even better. That brings me to my guest today. I learned of Sam through Zach Neighbors, the college basketball player from Greenville University that was on hashtag no limits way at the beginning. Um, and he had been introduced to Sam through, um, they both have a similar ability level. Sam is the CEO and co-founder of Nubability. And he is not only a person who has busted through limits, but now he is helping others do the same thing. Welcome, Sam, and thank you for joining me today on Hashtag No Limits. Please tell us more about yourself and your family. Yes, well, thank you so much, Miss Shelley, for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm from a, uh, a small, small town farm family. Uh, my dad's been a farmer since uh, I was born. He's been a farmer since he was four or five years old. Wow. I've got wow. an older brother and a younger brother. My dad also works at the DuCoin State Bank as the executive vice president there. And my mom's a retired school teacher um, from Southern Illinois. So, you know, we have that really small town roots. So I'm actually uh, recently married, married back in July. So I am married to a very beautiful lady by the name of Tori. And she is a enormous blessing um who you know came into my life at just the right time and uh you know i always told myself that i would never ever get into a long distance relationship uh, but we were a long distance relationship for almost three three four years before we oh, got wow. married so um so it was, it's it's nice to be close <laughs> <laughs> i bet well congratulations um, getting married during the pandemic, there's a bright spot in all that's been going on in our world. So yeah, um, we got we got married in St. Louis, and we got married the day before they put on the ma mandate mask, like the big mask mandate. Uh, so okay. so we just squeaked in. Yeah, well, good for you. Good for you. I'm glad that worked out for you. So you sound like you have a uh, a very uh, your parents sound a lot like my family. I'm from a farm. My, my grandparents were farmers. I didn't grow up on a farm, but um, I'm a former teacher. So right. I can relate to, to both of your parents um, and, and to yourself as well. So, sorry, I kind of interrupted you talking about the, I got oh, no, excited about the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're, you're, you're good. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, you know, the one thing my family always taught me was to stay humble and to be the hardest worker in the room. Uh, my dad taught me work ethic from the time I was born. You know, he told me um, when I was three, four years old, Sam, you're going to have to work twice as hard as everybody else just to be on the field with them. And you're going to have to work three times as hard of them if you, if you want, you want to beat them. You know, you, you know you're going to, you're going to have to be the hardest worker in the room. When coach is giving the speech about the kid who's out working everybody across town, that needs to be you if you want to be successful. And so, you know, I always had this hard work ethic and, you know, growing up without my, 
without my left hand from the time I was born, you know, people would place those limitations on me um, to what I was capable of. And, you know, they would always say, you know, this is his last year. He's going to be able to play with these kids. You know, he's not going to be able to keep up. But instead of listening to, you know, the perceptions that people placed on me, instead I found the perception that I placed on myself, which was I can do it. And a lot of that came from um, my faith in God because my mother, uh, who is – an absolute angel, possibly the kindest soul on this, on this entire earth, in my opinion, um, would read scripture to me every night. Every time I had a hard day, anything would just read scripture to me. And, uh, you know, I, I really clung to the verse Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So much so that I wrote that on my hat, my bat, my gloves, my, my cleats, you know, it was everywhere on the wall. I, I really kind of absorbed that verse because for me, you know, it didn't mean that, you know, you can do anything. It meant as long as this, as long as God is with me, you know, nobody can stop me. You know, I only me and him can determine what I'm capable of. And his ceiling for me is way higher than anybody else's perceptions can be placed on. So that's wonderful. That is, that is beautiful. Um, That that's very inspiring. Um, first of all. So you mentioned that um, you were born without your left hand. Yes, ma'am. So um, everything that you've learned to do, as your dad told you, I'm sure you you probably have had to work twice as hard or three times as hard as anyone else. Um, so besides sports, were there limits placed upon you like in your education because of not oh, yeah. having that left hand? Oh, yeah. I mean, there was... You know, there was a at one point in time, I believe it was first grade. Um, no, it was kindergarten. The art teacher did not want me to go on because I couldn't cut a circle um, out of paper. And so my mom came into the room and my mom, you know, my mom never got confrontational, you know, never did anything. But she goes, OK, I, I want to show you something. She said, OK, make a fist. And she had the art lady make a fist. And she said, okay, now hold this paper and cut a circle. She couldn't do it. And she's like, now this is what my son goes through every time you're having him cut shapes out. Like, now I'm not making excuses for Sam. Sam, you need to try harder because let's face it, I was not the best student in school. All I was there for was to play sports. And recess. That, that's 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 the you know that was my big thing was okay. Mom and Dad aren't going to let me play baseball in the league unless I go to school. They're not going to let me play basketball with my friends unless I go to school. So right. I kind of put sports above school, um, all the way up to high school. Honestly, um, just because ever since I was you know could walk, crawl, anything, there was a ball in my hand. Um, to the point where people would literally say that I was born with a ball in my hand. <laughs> and, you know, people would try and give me toys and I'd throw them because I didn't want toys, one. But two, I didn't know the difference between a toy and a ball. So, I'll, you know, dad, catch, here comes the tractor. <laughs> you know? um, but it was it was just one of those one of those things that you just, you know, you look back at now 
And you're so thankful that you had those sports because what they allowed me to do was to go out and pick up different skills that people take for for granted, such as hand-eye coordination. You know, if you're a one-handed athlete, you have to have better hand-eye coordination than your competition able to compete. So um, I was very fortunate to have several people who invested in me um, throughout my childhood. You know, I had a lot of people who uh, counted me out. You know, I was cut from my sixth, seventh, and eighth grade base school baseball teams despite beating and competing um, with people who made the team and never understanding why because I had really good tryouts and, and not understanding how I didn't make the team with my friends. Um, but I had coaches then. Um, you know, I had a coach from Renly uh, College um, named Bobby Simpson who really invested time in me and helped me to build up the skills I needed. And, he, you know, I remember after the first workout, he looked at me and said, they cut you? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, I'm going to make you so good that they can never cut you again. And, um, you know, we, we worked really, really hard, you know, every, every time that my teammates or anybody, um, would come home from practice, you know, they'd go home, get a meal or whatever. For me, it was stacking up the Coke cans on the dumpster in the back or, or, um, you know, hitting until, until you couldn't see anything and then flipping the light on and then just going by, by the little light on the, on the pole barn and just, you know, practicing, practicing, practicing until mom and dad said, okay, it's time for bed. You know, that, that was, that was my every day. You know, I, I invested into the sport that I was playing and I really invested in the sport of baseball. That's amazing. There's a, a, a gentleman that um, was on last week and he's a football coach in the area where I'm at. And uh, he talked about a football player that he had that had a traumatic brain injury and his, uh, I think it was his, I think it was his right side. Um, and he was in sports too. He had, um, didn't have a lot of, of use of his leg and, and his arm, but yet he played baseball, baseball in middle school. He ran track and played football in high school. Um, and his parents were the same way. You know, they mm-hmm. said, if you're going to earn your spot on the team, you're going to earn your spot on the team. You're not going to be just said, Oh, you know, come play on the team. So, I mean, they, they had the same mentality and, and I, I think that's so wonderful because, there are so many things that if we say, no, you can't do it for this reason or that reason, and we don't let people try whatever it is, right? we don't know what they're capable of doing, to be honest. Exactly. You know, that the thing that I hated most when I was a kid was having someone say that I was disabled, you know, putting that term disability on me. Because if you look up the term disability in the dictionary, it's lame, limp, unable to do for yourself, unable to think for yourself. And I was like, that does not define me. You know, and so if you ever wanted to make me mad, you know, it was just it was just say I was just disabled um, to the point where whenever I first, you know, when I decided to found an ability and and uh, choose a name for the foundation, you know, nub is what I always called my limb different limb. Mm-hmm. And then ability is the opposite of disability. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is being able to able to do for yourself, able to think for yourself. And so I want my kids to always look at themselves as able and not disabled. I want them to see themselves as athletes and not just limb different athletes. We want them to own their differences and go out and compete with their peers 
with those differences. They may have to compete a little different. You know, that's the, that's the thing. Our motto at Novability is that we adapt the kids to the sport, not the sports to the kids. Because the sport's going to stay the same throughout. I mean, it, it just does throughout time. I mean, there might be a few rule changes here or there, but generally the sport's going to be the same sport. And the kid needs to be able to adapt to it. They need to be able to um, do the same drills that everyone else is doing. And that's why with our coaches who are mostly college athletes like Zach, who you had on earlier, are the ones who are coaching these kids. So they have no excuses. They're learning from a coach who looks just like them, who has been at the highest level of these sports to get them to go out and compete. And what that does is it gives them not only the confidence to go out and compete in sports, but the confidence to go out and compete in life. Because let's face it, life is not easy. And that's what I, te- I tell their, the families all the time. You know, they, they always ask me like, oh, I'm really worried about my child's upbringing. I, I really think they're going to struggle. I'm like, yeah, they're going to struggle. They're, they're probably going to struggle more than, than most people. My parents have told me that I faced more adversity in my 28 years of life than most adults will face in their entire life. And the thing is, when you struggle, do you let it pull you down? Or do you embrace it and allow it to build you up? And so that's what I try and teach my kids is how to embrace that struggle, embrace the limitations everyone's bringing on you and turn it into fuel to prove them wrong. Yeah, that is that is fabulous. And um, I love that, that that embrace your ability, whatever it is, um, exactly. and, and go from there with that, um, because that that just speaks volumes um, and that. Again, something that the gentleman said last week was um, the greatest ability is availability and, you know, just just being there and um, and doing what is needed to be done at the time. Um, So you you mentioned um, I don't think you mentioned your mission statement, but I I was on your website and I love your mission statement. Um, And it's the Nubability Athletics Foundation exists to encourage, inspire and instruct. I'm sorry, instruct limb different youth by getting them out of the stands, off the bench, and into mainstream sports. Imagine the power of having a mentor who looks like you. So you mentioned that Zach is one of your coaches, and that goes back into your mission statement. Imagine having a mentor that looks like you. Why is that so important to you that each limb different person at your camp has someone who looks like them. Well, so whenever I was, whenever I first found a ability, when I first had the idea, uh, you know, when God gave me the vision, um, I saw children being held back and not allowed to go out and compete and allowed to be kids really out of fear of failure for their difference. Well, one as an athlete, the first thing you, the first thing you learn is that failure is not a bad thing. You know, you learn that you're going to lose. You learn that you're going to fail more times than you succeed. But if you look at every failure and break it down and learn what you can do better, then you can grow from those failures and continue and find a longer success than than normal. And so when I saw these kids being held back, I realized, you know, I can coach most of these kids with their adaptations. But wouldn't it mean more for me or for them? to have someone who looks exactly like them, who has the same difference, who has already gone through everything that they're potentially going to go through to not only coach them through sports, but to coach them through life. And that's why our mentorship never stops at our camps, but continues on. All of our coaches agree to pass on all their contact information to the parents. 
Um, so they stay in contact with the kids through throughout the year. And I mean, the way I put it is this, you know, if you look at a little league, let's take a little league baseball team. Okay. The very first year that a kid's learning how to play baseball. Usually that coach has both hands, right? Both hands, both feet. Mm -hmm. Okay. So those kids are all on a level playing field and learning how to play, play the game. You throw a kid with one hand out there and he's already on an uneven playing ground. He's got to figure out a whole new way to adapt to these drills. So what we have done is taken that unlevel playing ground and raise it up to here by getting kids in when they're four years old. So a year before they can start mainstream sports, allowing them to get right here. And then that year that they're in those sports, they're learning from those coaches. So now here's their, here's their peers. Here's where they're at. You know, they're right above, they're above them. They've learned more. They've got the mentality of the game and they've also, now they have, all the adaptive skills that they need to be able to do every drill um, that their teammates are doing and even uh, do it better. Yeah, that is so, so awesome. And um, I, I wrote down something while you were talking because I wanted to circle back to it. Um, and, and we, you had talked about it um, before my last question and I had forgotten. And <laughs> so I wanted to make sure I came back to it. Um, the adversity. I um, I've recently released a book, and it's called "Those Who Can't Teach," and mm -hmm. it's it's all about. Um, it's nine true stories of families that shared with me what their struggles and what their successes were, and so much of um, as especially as a former special education teacher that I learned from my students was I don't have an excuse, mm -hmm. to be honest, and I have so much to be thankful for. And even when I think that something is difficult, they just blow, they, they, I'd say every student that I ever worked with just blew me out of the water with their work ethic. And the fact that, yeah, they had, they were struggling sometimes just to get out of bed, whether that was a physical or a, a mental struggle. Um, and then they came to school and they had to struggle through school because as a special education teacher, I was getting the kids who were struggling. And so, so um, they, their tenacity, um, which it sounds like you have and what you are trying to help your campers have as well um, is just incredible. And I, in the book, um, I talk about how I've learned so much from my students and their families and possibly more than what I taught them, which I know is bad to say as a teacher, but, um, you know, academics and all my teacher friends are going to get really mad at me, um, is not the be all to end all. You right. know, it's your character. It's your mm -hmm. determination. It's your drive that really helps you outside of school. Yeah. Yeah. We tell, we tell our kids, you know, the only disability is a disabled mind. So if you can, if you come in and you believe that you can do it and you're willing to put in the work ethic and you're willing to put in the time and the blood, the sweat, the tears, you can do anything. I mean, you really can. You just have to be willing to put forth the effort. Now, does that mean that every kid's going to go on to play the NBA? No. Does it mean that every kid's going to go on to play college sports? No. But they can take that same work ethic and same mindset into their everyday lives. And who knows, we might be coaching the kid who cures cancer. You know, I mean, that's that, that's that's the way, you know, I look at it as 
we're not making a temporary impact. We're making an impact that will last a lifetime because we want those kids to be able to come back twofold and give it back to the next generation. And that's where Zach is very unique. He came to us in sixth grade. Wow. And right after his different, or right after his uh, amputation, came, relearned how to play basketball, learned how to play the sport he loved. And every year I watched this kid grow and give it back to the next generation. You know, he would just, he could be coaching as he was going. And that's what it's about. It's about that trickle down mentorship. And so when Zach finally got into like high school age, we made him a junior coach and really started testing his coaching skills. And then eventually he became a regular coach. And then this past um, November, actually, I had him um, as a head basketball coach in Texas. And he put together one of the best programs I've ever seen, uh, limb different and non-limb different for, for the kids. You know, he had it instructional, but he also had it fun. And so the kids weren't being overwhelmed and they were actually applying everything that he was teaching them into games. And so I was just really, really proud uh, of that kid. And, and Zach's one of a dozen or so campers who have come back as coaches I believe were uh, who have played at the college level we've had some uh, campers come back who didn't go on to play college but that's why we make the requirement you have to at least play varsity sports in high school to be a coach because we want that mentality that that competitive drive that keeps you playing all the way through your varsity years yeah that's amazing and that's such great news about Zach um, I I was wondering because um, I, I wasn't sure what was what was going on with the school, you know, Greenville, where he goes to school. And so I wasn't sure um, if he was back in, in this area because he's not originally from Illinois. So um, that's awesome that to hear that that's happening for him. And, and what a great compliment um, for you to give to him. So hopefully he sees this. Um, I didn't reach out to him to tell him that I was doing this. But um, so not every camper turns into a coach so if there are people that are limb different um that hadn't been to you as a camper they could still maybe apply to become a coach is that correct yeah so the way the way our coaching process takes place is like whenever i co i coached college baseball for two years i was a pitching coach and a strength and conditioning coach and so i've taken that same recruitment mindset that you would take to recruit a baseball player into recruiting my coaches. So I get, you know, I have them fill out a long sheet that they fill out. Then we have a phone call and I try basically go through similar items of that sheet. And I just want to get to know somebody and hear their story from their mouth rather than what they put on paper, which allows me to both see, you know, if this person is a hundred percent honest and also to kind of get to know their character a little bit better. And then, then I go and I talk to I talk to two athletic resources, so two coaches, uh, two of their past coaches, and I hear about them and and you know kind of see what their work ethic is. Are they a good fit for our program? And then I talk to two character, uh, two character references, so I can get to know you know this person fully before you know I even invite them on the team. And then they go through a criminal background check. You know, if, if I think they're going to be a decent coach, then I'm going to throw them to the criminal background check. And once that comes back, then we talk about, okay, here's where we see you fitting or, or, you know, hey, 
unfortunately, I don't think this is the right position for you because my goal is to provide the absolute best coaching and best character people on that coaching team to push these kids. Now, does that mean that every kid's going to be a per every coach is going to be a perfect angel in their regular life? No, right. But they're going to be people who invest in these kids long after camp's over. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love there. There's so many things that you've said that I love, and I hope I'll remember to to comment on all of them. Um, the the fact that you were a college baseball coach, um, you know, I mean that you busted through. I'm sure some serious limitations there with, with mindset, which is a lot of what the limitations that I refer to are. It's, you know, just the mindset of, no, you can't do this because whatever. Um, so what, what was that experience like for you going into that? And how did you get that position? So I went on, I played college baseball. I played a year at Greenville where Zach, where Zach's oh, okay. uh, playing basketball. And then I got hurt and I had to have, um, had to have surgery. Uh, went and had reconstructive foot surgery and got picked up by a small Christian college called Morthland College in um, Southern Illinois. Here it was a, just a first year school. The coach I actually knew fairly well. I, co you know, I played against his uh, travel teams and stuff growing up. And, uh, you know, he came to me and said, hey, I'm going to start a program and I would love for you to be a part of it. And I had a really, really good year with him. You know, I was, uh, I had a save, I had a, I had a win, you know, I, I was uh, a pitcher on, on the team. You know, I was doing fa fairly well in key relief situations. Um, and then at the end of that year, you know, they had thrown me a little bit more than I should have been thrown by that the pitching coach that was currently there. Well, at the end of the year, that, that pitching coach quit. So we were going into the next season without a pitching coach, period. Um, and I went and I went out and threw my first bullpen and I threw the hardest pitch I ever threw. It was nine, about 90, 91 miles per hour. Wow. And as soon as I threw it, my shoulder went with it. And it was one of those, you, you knew it. Yeah. Um, I've always been tough through pain, though. So I went back out to try and throw another pitch, and I couldn't even touch the plate. So I knew that something was wrong. Went to the doctor, went to Dr. Brophy down in St. Louis, who's the St. Louis Cardinals expert, and he's like, yeah, I, I think your pitching days are done. And, and it, you know, it, it would hurt, but here's where I try, here's why I try and instill that work ethic of being the hardest worker in the room to all of my kids. You know, at every camp, that's one of the things I tell them that if anything else sticks with you right now, let it be this, be the hardest worker in the room. Because, because I was the hardest worker in the room, because I was working out twice a day, every day, getting up at 5 a.m. with the team and then coming back in the afternoon to do my own workouts because I continued to push and continue to get better watching film, watching film on, on hitters that we were going to face again, you know, doing whatever it took to be that hardest worker in the room. Whenever I tore my shoulder, my coach says, okay, how would you like to keep your scholarship and be our pitching coach? Nice. And he's like, I've seen how hard you work. I've seen the work ethic you've put forth. I've seen how how you break down everything. He said, why don't you come and coach our pitchers? And I said, absolutely, you know. Uh, and that was me coaching my teammates. So he put me in almost like a, a higher role than a captain because now I'm in charge of their health and well-being as well as, you know, discipline and all, all of that and of my peers, 
And so, you know, that, that was a huge, you know, a huge compliment um, to my work ethic. And then the next year after, you know, a successful season, our pitchers had some of the best, you know, best records of, of ERA and everything that year. And then the next year he asked me, he said, Hey, how would you like to be both the pitching and strength and conditioning coach? I've seen what you do in the gym. I've seen how you, you know, put on mass yourself and how you break down every muscle group, you know, like the workouts and stuff I did, nothing was just thrown together. It was all strategically placed for performance. So I was trying to make sure that I was doing um, exercises that are going to benefit me out on the mound. And so I put together full on programs for all my pitchers and everything, including throwing programs and then for all the hitters. And, and, you know, that was, that was my job. And then also recruiting and uh, which was super cool because I mean, I hadn't even finished college yet. And here I am coaching college baseball and uh, you know, the other teams and everything didn't look at me as a, a kid who's, you know, coaching for a scholarship and said they looked at me as a coach because that's, that's how I carried myself. You know, I didn't, I didn't try and stoop too low, you know, was I perfect? No. Um, but I continued to work hard and continued to um, do whatever I could to help each kid achieve whatever goals they were do they wanted, whether it was to, you know, leave that school and go and play for a, a you know, a bigger school or whether it was to uh, increase their velocity and, and, you know, increase their power size, whatever it was, we were trying to make each kid better because, the one thing I found is we wanted to turn that team into a family. Uh, I tell this to every every single um, group I speak to. If you have the choice between being a team and being a family, you always choose family. Why? Because a team has one goal, right? Win. One goal. Win. Everybody work together to achieve that one goal. A family wants the absolute best outcome for every individual in that room. So it goes beyond just winning the game. It's winning at life, winning at school, winning at this area, winning there, you know, finding ways to propel them forward. Because as a coach, your job is to put that person in position to achieve whatever goals or obstacles come their way. That is beautiful. I am <laughs> trying not to uh, shed tears because that that is that's just beautiful. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, and I think that is probably what makes you so successful because that is so true. Um, and and that's just such a beautiful way to put it. And I imagine that, not only do they feel like a team when they're there with you or this your college baseball team, um, but because you have your mentors give the mentees their contact information, um, you know, I'm sure they don't all live close to each other. Um, I mean, you know, again, t- speaking about Zach, he's from Georgia, mm-hmm. you're in Illinois, obviously his neighbor isn't his next door neighbor. Right. You know, so so being able to reach out to that person and have that connection, um, not just that physical connection of being different in the same way, but mm-hmm. having that, you know, family family member. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, that's 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 just amazing and, and so in, inspiring. Um, 
That's so, something we tell each of, each of our families when they come to our camps is like, you're joining our family. And what does that mean? That means I love you. And when I say I love you, I don't say that empty. I say that as if there's ever anything that I can do to help your child to further themselves on in life or in sport, I will do whatever it takes. And my coaches are the same way. We love these kids. You know, we, we are looking at it as the way that Jesus loves which means we love anybody for, you know, no matter what they believe, no matter um, how they are in life, we're going to love them. And we're going to love them as Jesus did, which is knowing that they are created perfectly in God's image, that they can do all things. And then if they're an amputee, someone who was placed in, in a, in a position, they weren't placed in that position to hinder them. Instead, they were placed in that position to bolster others up by inspiring them to go out and compete or go out and do what others are trying to. You're, you're just amazing. <clears throat> I mean, you have so many, uh, I guess they're called sound bites, you know, just those things that that I'm going to pull out of this and, <laughs> and use um, in my, because one of the things that I do is I have a Facebook page and I encourage mm-hmm. Families. Um, I work with families who are going through the special education process and um, just kind of help them, you know, encourage them as much as I can. Um, but you're, you're giving me great things <laughs> that I can use um, because it, it is. It's so important to, to have confidence in yourself and to know that you are loved for exactly who you are. Yeah, um, and, and confidence isn't something, you know, a lot of people think that you just because like, I'm confident now. But a lot of people don't understand that I wasn't always confident. There wasn't always confidence. Confidence, just like, you know, whenever you go to the gym, you can work out one day. But if you don't return to that gym, you're not going to see any benefits. It's the same thing with practicing confidence. I looked in the mirror every morning for years and gave myself a pep talk. I said, hey, this is you. You are who you are. You were created this way. Nothing's going to change. Don't let others put limitations on you. If you try to live up to other people's limitations, you will fall. If you try and live up to your own limitations, you will fall. But if you try to live up to the limitations that God had set for you, you will always succeed because most likely you're not going to reach them because they're so high. Right. Yeah. Wow. We could just stop right now. I mean, (laughs) you just... Oh my gosh, Sam, you are, you are just, you are so, so inspirational. And I thank you um, for sharing not only your testimony and your belief in, in Christ and, and how that has impacted everything that you're doing, but just the great, like I said, those sound bites that you're giving me, those, those nuggets of inspiring words. Um, how old were you when you started Nubability and what was the, um, the reason, I guess, that you started yeah. it? Yeah, I, I was 17 years old. Um, and I went to a camp the summer before my senior year of high school uh, with my mom. Um, you know, with me, the the one-handed pitcher, <clears throat> you had a lot of news stories and stuff like that done on you throughout high school. And one of them reached a camp in Missouri called Camp No Limits, which was a camp that taught children born with limb differences and amputees to do everyday life skills as well as, and they wanted to incorporate sports. Um, they had not in the competitive manner that we do, but, you know, to introduce kids to, to sports. And so they reached out to me and said, hey, we would love for you to come and show our kids how to play sports. You seem like, you know, the right person for the job. 
And so I said, absolutely. You know, I thought it was myself, Jim Abbott, and then I have a high school um, football coach who had the same difference as me, actually. And uh, I thought we were the only ones on the planet because I come from a three-stoplight town in southern Illinois. Um, I get there, and I see all these kids, and most of them were upper limb different. Um, There were a few lower, but most of them were upper. And we're wrapped around a circle, around a little fire pit, and we're saying, you know, who we are, where we're from, and what sports we play. And uh, it goes something like, hey, I'm Timmy, I play soccer. Hey, I'm Billy, I play soccer. Hey, I'm Jimmy, I play soccer. And I'm looking at these kids, and I'm like, well, one, here in my hometown, soccer's a sin. That's um, <laughs> <laughs> we're a football town. So that that's running through my mind already. But I'm looking at these kids, and I'm like, how challenging is soccer? You have both your feet. Like, what? what is the challenge here? Unless you're playing goalie, I don't see it. He gets to me, I'm Sam Cooner. I play baseball, basketball, football, hunt, fish, do weightlifting. <clears throat> and they're like, you play soccer? I'm like, no, that's the same where I come from. <laughs> and then I got to talking to a mom and I'm like, why is your child being subjected to soccer? Like, why are they only being subjected to one sport like you know I was expecting to hear my name's Tammy I play baseball basketball soccer or or basketball soccer or you know you know just baseball soccer you know having more than one sport because if you're being subjected to one thing you're not being trained and so I got talking to the mom she's like well we just feel like if we put them in any other sports they're gonna fail and that's when my competitive mind's like yeah so (laughs) you know, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna fail. You know, you're gonna fail in this life more times than you succeed, but you got to look at each failure as a step. You know, do you want to climb those stairs to the top or do you want to fall back down? Because, or do you even want to take the climb? You know, if, if you're, if you're fine, not letting yourself fail and going out there and competing, then you're never going to even take the stairs to success. You're just going to stay stagnant while everyone else is going up. And so I really got to thinking and I, you know, my 17 year old mind wasn't really, you know, uh, resonating with that mother. And so I pulled out the big guns. Like I said, my mom was with me. I said, mom, get these parents away from me. Just get these parents (laughs) away from me for like two hours, whatever you can do. She's like, well, I don't know if I can do two hours, but I can probably give you an hour. I said, whatever you can give me. And I got all the parents away. Mom did a little impromptu raising a limb different athlete, you know, forum. I got all the kids. In that hour to hour and a half time period, I taught them how to throw and catch a baseball, how to shoot and dribble a basketball, how to throw and catch a football. Things that took me years and years to learn. And these kids picked it up like that. And I just saw this raw God-given talent going to waste. And that night, I remember sitting in my dorm and like these, and these are like, uh, kind of like rec, you know, like the rec area cabins with no air conditioning and it's a hundred degrees outside. So it's like 150 in there. So you're sweating. And, and so there's no sleep happening whatsoever. And I'm sitting in there and I just kept hearing this voice saying, you can change this. Like everything that you're seeing right now, everything that you're feeling right now, you can change this. And my, I knew what, who was talking to me, but I, 
but my response was not, yeah, I'm going to do it. It was, I'm 17. What can I do? And this, this pursued all night, you know, this happened the entire night. I did not sleep because I kept hearing this voice saying, you can change this. And so that next day after maybe getting 30 minutes of sleep and I have a ball game, I hopped in the car and mom and I were headed to the game and all of a sudden it hit me. What if I provided these athletes or these kids, athletes who have pushed through the hardest scenarios, who won't take it easy on them, who won't coddle them, who will push them through competitive sports, who are similar in limb difference so they have no excuses and I said that to my mom and pretty sure my mom's jaw dropped because like I said school was not my thing so for me to come up with something like this was like (laughs) and she knew immediately that it was from God and we jumped right in we started the process of becoming a 501c3 you know and uh, found the name nub ability because uh, like I said nub my limb different limb ability being able to put those things together and there you have nub ability and in 2011 we officially became a 501c3 which was my uh, senior year I was 18 went on I, I played uh, college baseball at Greenville that that fall I actually got really sick almost died um, that that fall and uh came back the following uh, spring, I realized, you know, that I had turned up ability into kind of like tutorials on Facebook or tutorials on YouTube. And that wasn't God's mission. And that, so that, that uh, summer of 2000 and uh, 2012, I knew that I needed to have that first nub ability camp. And we did, and we had 19 kids come to Greenville College, which is Greenville University now, and seven coaches who I had reached out to through social media saying, hey, here's what I want to do. Are you in? You know, here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for coaches who will push these kids past the potential that they feel they have for themselves. I'm looking for coaches who are not just going to invest in kids for a couple hours. I'm looking for coaches who will invest in them for a lifetime. And all seven immediately got back to me and we had our first camp. And I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Fast forward to today. And had we had camp, our summer camp, because of COVID-19, we would have had 250 limb different athletes from 49 states and 11 other countries coming to Ducoin, Illinois, here, a town of 6,500 people, three stoplight town, to be coached by over 100 limb different athletes as coaches. Wow. And we're in nine different, we've, we've had camps in nine different states since COVID-19. Um, we've come up with uh, mitigating plans that just mitigate the risk as much as possible, but we've continued to have in-person camps because to me, there's been two people who have been punished most by COVID-19, our elders and our youth. And I've watched as COVID-19 has torn down the, the framework that we have built in each of our athletes to build them to that. And I've watched it tear them down by not having that socialization and not allowing them to pursue that confidence, but instead be um, scrutinized through um, social media or, or through, through technology. And 
it was right then when I saw that starting to happen, I said, no, we have to find a way to have these in person. And we started with a golf clinic here in Southern Illinois. Then we did a fishing clinic in uh, Fort Myers, Florida, or not Fort Myers, Florida. Uh, what was that place in Florida? Clearwater, Clearwater Florida. Um, and then we went on to, um, to St. Louis, Missouri for a baseball softball clinic. Then we did a soccer clinic in Indianapolis. And then we did, we just got back from Texas, our Texas camp, like I was telling you about, we did three sports. We had 20, uh, 23 kids, 21 that were limb different and um, continue to having them. And every parent has just thanked us for, you know, for, for doing that, you know, our coaches are wearing masks. We're taking, uh, we're taking breaks to do hand washing as well as to sterilize all the equipment after each session. So we're doing whatever we can, but I refuse to let these kids not have the opportunity to learn from these mentors in person because that hands-on experience is more important than what they're learning behind these screens. Yeah. I, I agree. And um, I want to make sure I haven't done this yet. I want to make sure to share your website so that if anyone would like more information, um, whether they would somehow maybe want to support your organization or um, how well, I didn't talk about this. How does a camper become a camper? So um, there's many ways. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, most, most uh, common has been through social media. They find us and then they go on our website and they'll go into the, the camp info page and they'll click on any of our camps. And then you can, you know, you can apply for scholarship there. Um, you know, you can, um, you can see our camp schedule, which if, if a camp is live, you'll be able to register for those camps. We have an RSVP links to, to the different camps there. Um, and so you, you can really, you know, you can go through it that way. You can reach out to me on social media, reach out to Nevability on social media. Uh, our big thing is we never want a kid to feel like they can't come to our camps out of expenses. So even if we don't have the money to provide a scholarship, we'll go find it because each each kid deserves a chance to go out and compete. You know, um, our goals are, you know, once, once, we have a, a better foothold is to be able to go out into um, other countries where children are shunned and, and cast out uh, and not allowed to, you know, even be a kid. Like uh, for instance, I went and pitched in the Dominican Republic when I was a freshman at, at Greenville and they treated me like a superstar because they had never seen a limb different athlete compete because all of them were in orphanages. And so what I would like to do is to go on like a mission, uh, almost like a mission trip with, uh, probably seven coaches or so and go and put on a full on, you know, like a two week baseball clinic academy and then um, have those kids then go and compete against the kids who are competing every day and at very least earn their respect and try and change this long since culture of these kids are cursed and these kids shouldn't be allowed to go out and compete. You know, I want, I, can I make that change? Only God knows, but I can, I can sure give it a try. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm just kind of sharing different, different things on the website. So it looks like you have some, some gear here that anybody can purchase if they would like to. Um, I see that you, um, I was on the sponsor page, I'm sorry, I was on the donate page. 
Um, and there's different ways for people to get involved. Um, mm -hmm. Do you know how many campers you've had in total in all of your camps over the years? I think when we added it up, it was over 1,500. Um, it could could even be more than that. But uh, yeah, it, I know that we started with 19 kids at our first camp and it grew to our last, our last camp, um, which we had a, a video go viral of a boy doing a box jump with no arms. Um, our, our, that last camp, we had 189 of them different kids from 45 states and seven other countries. So, wow. so it was, it, and it had blown up because, you know, this year was the year after that video. And so, so many people had, had come out the woodwork to find us. And it was, it was really, really a humbling experience to see so many people come, come to our aid and, and come to want to learn from Nubability. Yeah. So you have a newsletter that I, I see here. So if people want to um, learn more about you or stay in touch mm -hmm. with what you're doing, they can do that. Oh, there it says changing lives. Here we go. Yep. <laughs> 650 plus. Yep. Um, and I'd actually looked at this the other day. And then, so this is, this is this, the video that you're talking about. Yeah. And, and if there was ever a video to display the nubability coaching style, it's this video because you will watch as these coaches aren't letting him make excuses. They're, they're not letting him stay down whenever he's afraid. Instead, especially um, Miss Sabrina, who is this coach kind of um, oh, yeah, closest right to us. Yeah. She is, you know, she's banging on the box telling him, this is all the people who have ever doubted you right now. Jump on them. Show them you can, you know. And then she's pushing him. But then after he makes it, you will see the elation in every single coach that is around here. And you can even see the people in the background through the windows oh, yeah, cheering yeah. because they are invested in his life. They are invested in him. They are invested in his growth as not only an athlete, but as a human being. And so they are pushing him to reach beyond potential, reach beyond the fear. You know, the, the one thing that we do in almost every drill, especially baseball, is we eliminate fear at the beginning. What's the fear in baseball? The fear in baseball is getting hit by the baseball, correct? That's my fear. <laughs> so, so when these kids are learning their, you know, they're learning their glove transfer, the first thing we do is we have this drill where we start them off about 90 feet away from a pitchback net, which is one of those nets that bounces back, and it's an mm -hmm. industrial-sized one. And they throw it as hard as they can. They go up, scoop it, go to the back of the line. Every throw, they're going to move up 10 feet. We get kids going all the way up to about 10 feet from this thing, throwing as hard as they can, fielding the ball cleanly because you take the fear out of it. It immediately just becomes instinct. And once you show that instinct off to your body, then the confidence comes in. Wow. That is so cool. That is, that is great. So I'm not going to show the video because I'm sure it would make me cry. Um, because <laughs> I mean, there's been a couple of times just listening to you that I've teared up. So to actually watch and was that the first time he got on the top of that that box? It, is that it was the it was the first time on that big box. Um, you know, he had done a, a smaller box the day before, and you know, you got to think of it like this: whenever you're doing box jumps, you use your arms to propel you forward. Mm 
Right. So you're squatting down and you're propelling yourself forward. And then if you stumble or I stumble, what's our first move? We're putting our hand down, right? Right. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have his hands. So he has to trust that our coaches are not going to let him get hurt. And not only that, he has to overcome that psychosis of I'm going to fall and get hurt. No, I need to jump and I need to keep going. These coaches have faith in me. I need to keep going. I know I can do it. And that's what you see. You can see that internal struggle in Tim as the, as the, it builds up. And then once he hits the top, he lets out this yell. He's like, yeah. And then, you know, and then immediately just gets super emotional because he did it. You know, he overcame it and you see our coaches getting emotional. And um, the only thing about viral videos is, you know, people only take the portions that they want for the viral video. They won't show the whole thing. And so what didn't go viral was the speech that she had given him after, which was, don't you ever let anybody tell you you can't do something. Mm. You just prove to yourself you have the ability to do anything. Don't you ever be afraid. Don't you ever be afraid. And don't you ever try and live up to others' perceptions. You go and do whatever you need to in this life. And I know I couldn't watch the video because now just telling me what it says. I'm <laughs> Because I mean, that, that's my goal, Sam, to be honest, is to inspire and encourage um, people who are going through it by showing them what you're exactly what you're talking about. You know, that's why you have those mentor coaches. Um, I personally, I don't have any kind of, of different learning or physical difference, um, but having taught and been around families for, for all my years of teaching, um, and, and, the, and the reason for the book is because I want that appreciation and I want that acknowledgement for those who are putting so much trust and so much heart into what they're doing. And for us as a society to stop placing those limits, um, you know, as a teacher, what I would hear from my other teachers was, you know, oh, this kid can't read or, oh, this kid um, can't do their math facts. They don't know their math facts. And, and in reality, the person could read or the person could do their math facts. They just weren't doing them at the level or the speed with which their peers were. And so right. that was, you know, but just saying those words, you know, just kind of gave me that idea that they don't have high enough expectations. And, and to be honest, in my younger life, I definitely was that way. Um, I'm not sure where I got that idea from or why that idea came to me. Um, I grew up right when the federal law came into play. And so um, I, I started school around, started kindergarten around the same year that the law came into effect. And so um, having people with learning differences or physical differences, we still had them in a separate location in our school. They were in our school, but they weren't with us. Right. And I, I, I guess just from that, that I had this idea that somehow there were limitations or that, or that they had limitations. So, and maybe that's just my, maybe this whole situation is just me trying to get forgiveness for, for having that thought myself by trying to help others not have that, that thought or to change their mind like I did. And what you are doing there 
sounds absolutely amazing. And um, I've got just a couple minutes. I always try to stay at least under an hour. Right. Um, so before I, I go, before we say goodbye, I want you to, if there's anything else that you want to share or that any advice, whatever, is there anything else that we have not said or you have not said that you want to, to say before we go? You know, t- today is Giving Tuesday. Um, so if you, you if you feel the need to, to help us out, we're going to continue to have these camps in person. We're going to continue to find ways to mitigate COVID-19 because we're not going to let it beat us. We're not going to let it hold us down because these kids deserve every opportunity and I'm willing to risk whatever I have to give it to them. Um, I have written a book as well. Um, and I'm sure like you, your goal was probably if this changes one life, it was worth it. And that, that was my goal with uh, my book, Game Changer, How to Thrive When Life Doesn't Go According to Plan. It is a Christian book, but you know, you learn the steps that I took to become what I call a game changer, which a game changer is not someone who just makes an impact, a small impact. A game changer is someone who makes an impact that lasts a lifetime for somebody. And I don't see a game changer as being that, you know, that middle step, but instead being that over encompassing um, coach of a lifetime. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I will um, look up the book and put the link in the chat so that people can um, go and, and purchase both of our books. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, so it's uh, nubability.org. Okay. So nebability.org is how they can find you. And then yep. you said you're on social media. So Facebook, Instagram, um, yep. whatever else, other sources. Yeah. Yep. And uh, if you know of a child with a limb difference, age four to 17, send them our way. Um, amputees as well. Uh, also something to know is that if a child has lost their limb due to cancer, they will never, ever pay a fee at our camp. Wow. That's awesome. So just another reason to give so that that can happen. Absolutely. Them. For those kiddos, Sam. Oh my gosh, I I can't thank you enough. I, I, you are just an amazing, amazing person, and God is definitely using you and has called you, and you have have answered that call. And um, I'm so thankful that you joined me here today. And you and I are making the world better for all one individual at a time. Um, typically, I say one IEP at a time. Um, Uh but your students don't necessarily have an IEP. So, um, I I just, I I can't, thank you enough. Um, and I thank all of you who joined us today, who will watch this on the replay. If you're watching for the first time and you've liked this video, please give it a like, make a comment. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe. And if you would like a free social story for the pandemic um, for a primary age child, or if you would like a free um, IEP checklist, you can go over to my website, ShellyKino.com, and those are right there on the homepage. You can check those out. Um, God bless you, everybody. God bless you, Sam, and what you are doing. Um, And happy holiday season. And yeah, it's Giving Tuesday. So um, go out there and donate to Sam and his organization. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Miss Shelly.